I want to ask you a question. Wouldn't you have liked to have been in Jericho that day? That day when Jesus was passing through Jericho? I'd like to have known some of what was going on behind the scenes that day. I would like to have known what the Jericho Chamber of Commerce had planned for Jesus that day. Because you see, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus comes into the city of Jericho and He is riding a tidal wave of popularity. And I can only imagine that as they were making plans for the young prophet to come to Jericho, that some of the best people in town, some of the most important citizens of Jericho, were on the reception committee that day. I have an idea that the mayor was planning to read a proclamation declaring it to be the day of Jesus in the city of Jericho. The president, probably, of the Jericho Federation of Women's Clubs was planning to give Jesus a key to the city. And they had a big reception plan there at the Jericho Civic Center because they were going to have that champagne, that, that uh, ginger ale and sherbet punch, you know, that, that you have at all those things. They had that, and they had some little pedophores and, and some other hors d'oeuvres there, some miniature lamb kebabs probably and some other things that they had, had planned that day for the reception. Because you see, Jesus, at the time He came to Jericho, was the best known man among the Jewish people. He was the best loved, and at the same time, He was the most hated. But He was in the spotlight. And He was important. And He was certainly of celebrity status. So the important, the rich, the poor, the forgotten, everyone in Jericho was interested in the fact that Jesus was coming to the city. Everyone was ready to do Him honor as He came to the city that day. What that reception committee actually had planned, we're not told. I just speculated on some of that. It's not in the Scriptures, by the way. But it may be that some of the oldest and most prestigious families in the city <clears throat> were planning to welcome the young prophet. Whatever was planned that day, we can be sure, absolutely sure of one thing. They never in their wildest imagination dreamed that this distinguished young prophet that was so popular in coming to the city was going to become a guest of Zacchaeus, the hated tax collector, before the day was over. The home of that rich, grafting renegade Zacchaeus was the last place that they expected Jesus to be. And the fact that a decent Jewish teacher would go home with Zacchaeus is incredible. And folks, that is exactly what happened. And when they heard that Jesus invited Himself to be a guest of Zacchaeus, they were shocked and then indignant at the same time. 
Can you imagine the outrage of the decent citizenry of the city as they watched Jesus and that renegade march down the street arm in arm in one accord going to Zacchaeus' house? All the decent people of the city said, that's a foolish thing for Jesus to do. That kind of conduct's only going to dig a chasm between Jesus and all the best people in the city. That's going to alienate him from the people in the community that can help him the most. I mean, everybody realized that Jesus going home with Zacchaeus was not going to win the approval of any of the decent folk in Jericho. The only approval that he was going to get for that would be from some social outcasts and a few social nobodies that didn't amount to anything. People that nobody paid any attention to anyway. People nobody really cared about. Pharisees were amazed. But I have an idea that not even the Pharisees were any more amazed than Zacchaeus himself was. I doubt that as Zacchaeus closed up his shop that day, that he expected Jesus was going to go home with him. He would not have dared to dream so bold a dream. He would not have ventured such a mad and daring request as to ask Jesus to come home with him. It had not occurred to Zacchaeus that this amazing visitor to Jericho was coming to find him. Or that this man Jesus was going to enroll Zacchaeus into his service. Nobody, nobody expected Zacchaeus to become a follower of Jesus. I don't really think Zacchaeus even expected it to happen. He might have thought of it dimly. He might have thought of it yearningly. He might have thought of it, as we would say, as a pipe dream. But he probably put it completely out of his mind as a total impossibility. Because you see, folks, Zacchaeus was in a bad way. Zacchaeus was confronted with numerous obstacles. Obstacles that made him following Jesus almost unthinkable. Zacchaeus was a publican. That means he was a tax gatherer. He wore the livery of the Roman Empire. He was helping a foreign conqueror to prey upon his own conquered nation. In a very real sense, Zacchaeus was a traitor to his country. And if he was like most of his class, not only was he a traitor, he was also a grasping, greedy plunderer. He was someone who plied the trade of the robber without incurring the robber's risk. Because Zacchaeus was securely sheltered behind the government of Rome. His sordid trade did not even possess the dubious glamour that belongs to that of the highwayman. 
It didn't possess the glamour that we see as we pour over history and look at the robbers of the 1930s as they were glamorized in Pulp Fiction and media. Folks like Bonnie and Clyde or Pretty Boy Floyd or John Dillinger or any of those that have been romanticized in the movies. Zacchaeus was a publican. He was a robber. He was a plunderer. And being a publican, Zacchaeus was a man that was just naturally hated. No decent man or woman in the city of Jericho would dare to cross his threshold. He was a social outcast. He was a man without a reputation, at least a reputation that was good. Everybody thought the absolute very worst possible about Zacchaeus. And they also expected the very worst of him. And you know something? No one goes quite so wrong so easily as that man or that woman that everybody expects to go wrong. Confidence in someone has a certain bracing quality about it. Confidence in someone has a certain quality about it that builds character. Because to be believed in, and for someone to have confidence in you, is to be greatly strengthened and greatly fortified. To have nobody believe anything of us but evil is to find evil to be inevitable. Zacchaeus was a publican. He had a passion for money. He was grasping and he was selfish. He loved money better than he loved his nation. He loved money better than he loved the respect of his fellow man. He loved money better than he loved his own soul. And he loved money better than he even loved his God. That was the reason he became a publican. There was only one master passion that could compel a man to work at the despised trade Zacchaeus worked at. And that was a passion for money. He loved money, but not only did he love money, he had won money. Scripture tells us he was a rich man. That made his situation, if possible, even more difficult. Not that money in itself is evil, because it's not. Money does good or it does harm according to the way the individual who possesses it uses it. It's like great ability in any direction. It has no moral quality on its own. Its moral quality depends on the moral quality of the man or woman that it belongs to. Genius, if rightly used, can be a blessing, and a genius, if wrongly used, can be a curse. It's the same way with money. In the hands of someone who is not its slave, it can be vastly useful. But if money becomes our master, 
it can lead to destruction. You remember Jesus would say, How hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God. And that statement is true for a number of reasons. Sometimes riches absorb our attention. They fix our minds upon themselves and give us a false security. They give us sometimes a sense of independence that's false and unreal. No doubt Zacchaeus made up his mind when he decided he wanted to be a publican that if he only got money, such things as honor and decency and respectability and even self-respect would not matter. You see, folks, Zacchaeus was lost. And that's something Jesus emphatically teaches in Luke 19. And being lost is not a mere abstraction. Jesus regards certain folks as lost. And right here is a concrete example. Zacchaeus was a lost man. He was lost to God. God no longer enjoyed the joy of His love and the confidence of His service. He was lost to Himself. His inner peace, His inner joy, His self-respect, those were all gone. He was lost to the world. God had a beautiful plan for His life. A plan that would have made life for everyone who knew Him a gladder and better and happier life. It would have boosted the whole world up the hill just a little bit. But Zacchaeus missed everything God had for him because Zacchaeus was lost. But understand this. That does not mean he was entirely bad. That does not mean there was no good in him. He had been made in the image of God. Just like all of us. But that image was marred. But he was not wholly bad. No man or woman on the top side of God's green earth ever is. And in spite of his evil reputation, in spite of his slavery to money, in spite of his lost condition... There were still some beautiful qualities existing in Zacchaeus. Qualities that became doorways for him to enter the kingdom of God. Zacchaeus had a commendable curiosity. He had heard, maybe he read it in the Jericho Daily News. He had heard that Jesus was going to be visiting the city. And when he heard Jesus was coming to the city, he resolved he was going to see Him. He had heard rumors about Jesus. And those rumors had been pleasing to him. He had heard that Jesus was not as hard on his class of people as all decent folks expected Him to be. He had also heard about the scathing rebukes 
Jesus had for Zacchaeus' old enemies, the Pharisees. So he was naturally curious. He wanted to see this young prophet that was so courageous. Courageous enough to rebuke the religious leaders of the day. At the same time, he also would say a good word for the underdog. You know something? All great discoveries have been made by someone who was curious. Curiosity is the telescope through which the astronomers have studied the heavens. Curiosity is the microscope by which scientists have made their discoveries in the laboratory. Curiosity can be the pathway that leads to the discovery of God. Over the years, many a man and many a woman has gone to church out of curiosity and remained there to pray, and they found God. Blessed is that man or that woman that is curious to see Jesus. If Zacchaeus hadn't been curious, he might have stayed with his ledgers and kept his eyes glued to a column of figures. And doing that, he would have remained dead to the presence of Jesus Christ. But he was more than curious. He was restless. He was disappointed. And he was thirsty for God. He set out to get money. And he succeeded. But he found out something. That money had no power to satisfy the deep longings of his soul. And that money would not heal the hurt of his heart. And he was wondering, perhaps, if Jesus could do something for him. He had heard that a man that had one time been a publican, just like he was, was among the most intimate friends of Jesus. A man named Matthew. And for Zacchaeus, that was hopeful. Maybe Jesus might do something for another outcast. Anyway, before Zacchaeus despaired completely, he's going to make an effort to see Jesus. As he turned from his custom house that day, he might have said what the psalmist said in Psalm 42, verse 1. When he said, as the heart panteth after God, as the heart panteth after the water's brook, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He was a man of courage. He was a born fighter. He locked up his toll booth that day. He set out to see Jesus. And he was determined to do it, and he meant business. He knew something. When he got into the crowded streets of people thronging to see Jesus, he knew he was going to find himself in a hostile crowd. And I have an idea the situation was even more difficult than he had suspected. Everyone in Jericho was seemed to be in that narrow street. And Jesus is the very center of the crowd. And Zacchaeus is a man that's short of stature. And he couldn't get a glimpse of him. Can you see the crowds of people three and four deep? And he's the back and he's trying to see Jesus. And he gets a little close and somebody says, Oh, it's Zacchaeus. Oh, and he gets an elbow in the ribs. 
And his ribs are sore and he's jostled about and nobody will let him get to the front and, and see Jesus. And so I see that little short man give up. And he takes to his heels. He starts running down the street. And I can hear the crowd of people laughing at him and mocking I knew he wouldn't last long. He hadn't got what it takes. You see what he's made out of? To them it seems as though Zacchaeus is whipped. And he's running as fast as his little short legs will take him. But it's not the running of a coward. It's the running of a hero. It's not the running of a man that's been whipped. It's the running of a man that's just started to fight. He's made an honest effort to see Jesus and he's failed. So what's he going to do? He said, if I can't see Jesus one way, I'm going to see Him another way. In spite of the fact that he's a chief publican and occupies a position of responsibility, a high position among publicans, there's a little bit of boy left in this man. And he runs ahead of the crowd and he climbs up in a sycamore tree. It's kind of an undignified performance for a state official. I can just hear the media today having a field day if some politician did that. Well, some politician. It's a rather undignified performance. But Zacchaeus isn't looking for dignity, and he's not looking for approval, and he's not looking for the crowd to say, Oh, what a great man Zacchaeus is! Zacchaeus is looking for something bigger and better and more wonderful. He's looking for Jesus. That's what he's out to see is Jesus. How did it work out for, for him? Did this courageous man have all that pain for nothing? No. And listen to it. No earnest seeker for Jesus ever has all of that for nothing. The story in Luke 19 says when Jesus came to the place. Jesus is always coming to the place where there is a lost man or a lost woman. That's the reason He came to this world. Verse 10 of that 19th chapter said, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. That's the reason Jesus was in Jericho that day. That's the reason that Jesus Christ is in Center, Texas. That's the reason Jesus is in this congregation. Jesus is here to seek and save the lost. And listen to what I'm going to say. No power in heaven or hell can keep the seeking Savior and the seeking sinner apart. It says that Jesus came to the place. He comes to my place. He comes to your place. He knows where we are. And Jesus came to the place and He looked up in that sycamore tree, Luke tells us, and He saw Him. A Savior bent on respectability would have just kept His eyes focused straight ahead. He would not have endangered his cause or spotted his reputation by even glancing at Zacchaeus, undignified up in that tree. But Jesus saw Zacchaeus up there. And when Jesus saw him, he looked into his heart. And he read the longings of his heart. And he read the longings that he had to know God. And Jesus rejoiced over the possibilities 
Jesus Christ looked up in that sycamore tree and He saw the lost man that Zacchaeus was. Do you know what else Jesus saw? He saw the saved man that Zacchaeus could be. And as a mother might call her child, He called his name and He said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. And Zacchaeus heard Jesus call his name and it broke his heart. Here's the Savior of the world, the Son of God, the young prophet, who cares for Zacchaeus in spite of his soiled past. He's willing to share his shame. He's willing to shoulder the burden of the deep disgrace that he has. It was amazing. It was too good to be true and he dared to believe it. Luke tells us he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. And they went to Zacchaeus' home that day. I would love to know what was said that day. I'd love to have a transcript of the conversation that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. Because whatever he said, it had an impact on that tax gatherer's life that day. Because here's what it says. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken wrongfully from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. Whatever Jesus said to him that day, it had an impact on his life. And his life was never the same after Jesus went home with him. And when Jesus Christ goes home with us, our lives will never be the same either. And here's the question. Would you let Jesus come to your house today? Maybe you've never taken Jesus home with you. Maybe in simple trusting faith you need to come repenting of sin, confessing His name, and being buried in baptism for the washing away of past sins and take Jesus home with you. Or maybe you've done that, but over the years you haven't lived God's kind of life. You haven't been what God would have you to be. You need to take Jesus back home with you. You need to come back home. Let's be standing together this morning. Because just as Jesus went home with Zacchaeus that day, Jesus wants to go home with us. Jesus says to us, make haste. Today I must abide at your house. 
this is your opportunity to make the changes that might need to be made in your life while we sing this song.